Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Artist Podcast and today I've got my friend Shihara here. Um, Shihara is a close friend of mine and uh, she's got a lot of interesting stories to tell us, predominantly about how it is going to a state-owned university and her experiences there. And I think that's quite crucial right now because a lot of people are deciding, you know, which path do you go? Do you go left or right? Do you take uh, the path of staying in Sri Lanka, pursuing your education here or to look abroad and fly abroad? So. Thank you, Shiara, for being here. Shiara, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we go ahead? Okay, uh, so hi everyone. My name is Shihara Fernando, and I am 22 years old and undergraduate at the University of Colombo Faculty of Arts. So I'm hoping to specialize in economics and I'm also doing an LLB on the side of the University of London. Um, apart from that, I volunteered a bunch of, by bunch, I have to like handbook of organizations and I'm interested a lot in um, environment management and reconciliation and communications and stuff like that. So that's basically about me. Uh, I'm probably sh- I'm sure that I'm like missed a bunch of things, but yeah, in short, that's sort of the introduction to myself. Uh, where do we start? I mean, obviously I wanted to have a sheet of question, something like that lined up, but then I realized that's not how our conversations generally go starts out with I want to talk to you for five minutes to clarify something but two hours and 15 minutes later we're deciding and contemplating on life that's two hours it's, no no god two hours is a mini I think we had three hour plus ones and that was that was also like in the middle of my exams <laughs> and uh, I think during SLMUN for your information we both shared the Sri Lankan model United Nations of 2021 technically conducted in 2022 all right so questions uh galore that's where we're heading right so first question is why did you choose the degree you chose like the pathway why you chose what you chose hmm that's actually a really good question because uh, my specialization in university was something that was selected not because i really wanted it but because of the logistical and like impracticality of pursuing what i really wanted in sri lanka so I really wanted, but my passion was in environmental management and geography, and I was full on headed for that degree at the very first few months of university, that was like last year. And then halfway into actually doing the subject, I realized that one, it's taught in Singhala, which is very unfair because we chose English medium. And I know for a fact that even if you were to specialize, like half the lectures, even I special in the specialization years, that are going to be conducted in Singhala and then the material will be selected in Singhala and they will not give sufficient support for English speaking crowd as well. That's one. Second thing is because in Sri Lanka, if you really want to specialize in geography, there aren't many really good employment opportunities. So I don't, I, I'm not planning on migrating. I'm born to stay here and work. I, you know, I, I'm probably insane to a lot of people, but that's what I'm planning on doing. Um, so, yeah. So I thought, you know, I can learn environment stuff for my master's, so might as well choose economics. Not that I don't like it, just that it's not my first choice. But, you know, as I started to do economics as a special, which I also did for levels, I realized it's still interesting, it's very useful. And it's, you know, multifaceted, so you can really apply it to in, in so many ways. Um, so yeah, that was really my reason for selecting economics as my special, not because of any. Sure, I want to pick on something very quickly. Um, so I've spoken to my dad, then a few other people who I know who uh, studied the engineering side and um, studied medicine and they told me their problem with regards to language was quite different in that uh, it wasn't very friendly for those who spoke the mother languages of Sri Lanka so that is either Singhala or Tamil it was primarily English it's quite surprising to see that it was the the opposite for you I mean, 
is that unique to this course or is that a problem that we might see a division amongst uh, languages that's actually very interesting so i think medicine medicine and engineering right okay so i think with medicine and engineering because every single technicality is like done in english i guess you having you speaking a mother tongue really doesn't help you so all the lecturers who are also speak who are teaching rather they would prefer you to know like head on english right as opposed to you knowing sinhala and tamil or whatever um whereas in the faculty of arts what happens is predominantly people who join the faculty of arts are those from the outskirts of colombo and even within colombo not the colombo crowd you know not not the traditional set yeah <laughs> so basically the professors i mean this is not unique this is just for certain departments i'm not saying all the departments of the university of colombo faculty of arts is biased towards uh the singular speaking or the tamil speaking crowd uh but certain departments they are very comfortable with singular they don't feel the need to make an extra effort in speaking english right but obviously the reality is that even in meteorology or even in geography half these terms are in english but they don't really feel the need to do english like that um so yeah there is a lot of like i would say biases towards people who speak singular as opposed to speaking english because even like best example right um i asked cuz i never joined lectures cuz i never understood what's going on not to say i don't understand singing just that for me it's hard to really like translate it in my head cuz they're very technical words right um i asked my assistant lecturer um hi like can i get extra like classes and lessons cuz cartography is something i'm very diff- finding difficult to do um he straight up replied was i'm sorry we only offer it in singhala like even though you you know chose english medium uh, you can go to like a bookshop and buy these resource materials so you can understand better and i was like i mean if i can do the why did i come to you right like you know yeah why would you take the time and effort to actually come there right exactly um i mean I, of course i can read and google and get everything to myself but i mean if i'm asking you for help that's out of genuine concern and you know uh so i mean my stance on a degree in languages is this right uh, primary education or other times following your uh, mother mother tongue at least is is fine it's good uh, and but when it comes to higher education it's mo- it makes more sense at least for the students uh to have a degree that's more um how do i say which would make more sense in all regards right if you want to i don't know go abroad or, or establish these sorts of multinational systems that we plan on doing it makes a lot of sense for us to have uh something that is provided in english and 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 i mean look see i'm not saying that we should have it in our mother language that's that's you know it would be further from the truth a lot of countries like um in germany and many of the countries actually require us to if if we are for instance to go there to learn the language but the thing is what the difference between here and there is their education system is is so advanced and it's so integrated within their growing um you know uh fields that english would seem inferior or an english based student would seem more inferior to them than their own national so that's where they stand and where we haven't achieved that sort of um, standard yet I think it's more advisable for us to have an option where we allow you know either pathways. What do you think about that? Yeah, um you have you make a really valid point there, right? So again, like if you go to Germany as you rightly said, you need to know German language to be in in university as well. Right? It's not to say that English is completely out of the table. It is there, but German is given preference. But in Sri Lanka, even if you get the private sector, now if it's very very rare that you have like a all singular kind of corporate entity or all tamil corporate entity like it's mostly english right uh, 
So if you're going to go into such fields, right, even in the government sector, you still need to be fluent in two languages at a, at a minimum. If you, if you know Tamil, if you know Sinhala, depending on what you're about, like, you know, native languages, that's additional advantage. But any sector that you go into, English is where the direction of, you know, a narrative comes into play. Like, it's always English. We don't have, like, a strong business sector that's reliant on Sinhala because we are, like, Sinhala is a very unique language only to Sri Lanka. Tamil is, of course, like, India. But then again, if you look at our native languages, they are not something that's widely spoken throughout the world. Yeah, even even through India, it's not something that's widely spoken. I mean, if you take South India, yeah, even in South India, we have, like, you know, Kerala, the people from uh, Malaya, um, wait, uh, Malayali. Malayalis and uh, people from Kerala. I think Telugu, uh, Kannada, these are languages they speak even within s- the southern part of India. So it's hard for us to pinpoint and say, look, Tamil is a language that's even like, even though Tamil is uh, technically international, it's not really a language that's spoken across the world, you know? Yeah, and I feel like from doing that, you're holding people who can speak English at a bit of a disadvantage as well, because you need to either slow down your lecture so you can clarify things to English and back and forth and whatnot. So then people who understand English, they can't really advance through. So you're not, for me, of course, uh, this is not a boast of my like intellect or whatever. It's just that for me, I didn't learn anything new, you know. And because all the time it was like a re-clarification of very small, small technicalities. And I feel like the infrastructure within universities to support uh, non, like people who are not too comfortable with English, I feel like can be better. I mean, I feel like that should also boil down, at least come from the secondary education system as well, because you need, because when you compare the Singhala syllabi, syllabus to the English syllabus that you get for all of us, right? For Singhala, you learned like very academic literature analysis of, you know, texts in Singhala. For English, it's very simple. I mean, for us, for me, who come from a Colombo school, it's very simple. I mean, even if you were to just look at the difference, you know that the Singhala syllabus is much more complex than the English one. I feel like the practical application of language, that aspect is barely touched upon in the education system. So as a, as a result, people are good at maybe reading and maybe writing certain sentences. But when you're practically applying it to a language or a conversation, that they really, like, they don't do it well. I mean, uh, I have a few friends of who are Indians uh, who follow the CBSE system and obviously as we know uh, the Indian students are able to follow their national curriculum even outside of India and if you speak to those CBSE students you understand the amount of attention to detail they place on languages that are international or, or to be spoken across the world so they require even Indians who have their native mother tongue I think it's hard to point at a, a certain uh, language in India where they have hundreds um, of languages um, they give focused languages for the preliminary purpose of allowing people to communicate in the sense to communicate across the countries and across the world. Um, that is something I did notice for sure. And I think it is important that we, you know, highlight on the whole language perspective. Sure, I also want to talk about something that's quite interesting uh, regarding the education system, and that is access to education. And what I mean by that is physical access to higher education. We all know that um, higher education institutes exist in maybe four or five places. Uh, from what I can remember, I know Colombo, Peradeniya. Uh, Kelania, Jaffna, these are places that I can name off the top of my head. But uh, institutions, especially in a country where we are very much for government institutions, uh, 
how do you how feasible do you think it is for us to have online programs or programs that are initiated from uh, a, a mobile or rather an institute of certain places that link back to university what do you think about that um i feel like i mean we have a lot of more state universities i think we have about 20 plus even though you both of us or other you might not have heard a lot of i mean to be honest I even mean, i didn't get to, i didn't know of this until like this year right um, so with that, I think one, people still long for the top tier universities in Sri Lanka, that's Colombo, Peradeniya, Muratua, Kalaniya, Japura, right? Why? Because the infrastructure is better, recognition is better, they have more facilities as opposed to maybe going to Rajarat University or Uvelas University or whatever, right? So keeping that obvious note aside, even within our own state universities, the ones that we go to, online education system, I would say, has come a long way. I'm not going to completely negate the fact. I feel like it's the whole Moodle system is doing pretty well. But the way in which it's optimized and how it's really used can be much better. Like, I don't think they go to the full potential of using it. That's one. Um, second thing is in terms of bandwidth. In our university, I think a really good initiative was they first they interviewed or they did a survey on every single undergraduate to see what their bandwidth is like, what's their capacity, what's their network capacity in the area, so they un have an understand, understanding of the geographic location and how good the network is for them to conduct classes. So if they didn't have the sufficient amount of bandwidth, they would, I think the university gave laptops and you know they gave routers or whatnot. Right, so those kind of things did take place. But all in all, I feel like the University Grants Commission can do better in terms of providing network facilities or at least having some sort of a partnership with ISPs to give better network connection across the country. Because right now, even like I live in Muratua, right? Even for me, sometimes the bandwidth just goes off. I know a lot about that. <laughs> yeah, right? So that's the thing. So, and this is like Greater Colombo. Even in Colombo Central, sometimes depending on the ISP, it doesn't work. So like this very basic facility that's there around the world should be better here. I feel because right now we are going into a hybrid system. We are going into a, like a fully online system as well. So even if there's another catastrophe in the future, be it pandemic, endemic, war, whatever it is, I mean, I hope not. We need to be prepared for the worst as well. So I feel like now people should invest a bit more in terms of networking and all of that. So I feel like switching to online education is okay for those of us who are privileged and have the financial capacity, but for the majority of the students who really don't have that, even if they do get a scholarship from elsewhere, their geographic location itself provides them for it to be a disadvantage because of the fact that network is not sufficient. That is certainly uh, a technical problem. I mean, like, I have a point with regards to uh, what you talked about, you know, affiliation with these top dog universities. Uh, I know it's not uh, apples and oranges here, but uh, we all know that uh, institutes like Royal Institute and CFPS and uh, a few more, I think RI and CFPS are the ones that I know pretty well about. A lot of people who come out of there, you know, you open their LinkedIn, I studied at the University College London. I studied at the London School of Economics. I mean, no dig at them. You have your degree affiliated through that service and it is a quality education that they provide there. But if people in Sri Lanka are contempt with that uh, are happy or they think that it is valuable why do you not think that a similar system for like a garment institute for instance let's say uh, we have maybe 30 computers in a rural 
a part of uh, Sri Lanka, a rural town. And uh, there are live lectures from the directly telecasted lectures sent there. Students study there. Their marks and answers are the answers are marked by maybe assistant lecturers. So they're technically still part of the University of Colombo. So do you think that would sort of solve the problem? Hmm. Um. I would say it would on a logistical note, right? But I also feel like having I'm a strong advocate of having like a very holistic university culture. What I'm saying by that is. Um, of course, like getting to university alone is a big deal, one, because it's it's not easy to get into state university. I'm not trying to say the education system is great and all. It's not. But, I mean, it, it's still not easy to get into state university, right? Like, I, for one, was, like, biting my nails at the time I got my results because so, I didn't know what I was going to get. Um, second thing is, having a system is great, but I feel like universities should have a better hostel facilities and accommodative measures as well. So anyone who is outside Colombo can easily come in. So they, and it's, you know, it's evenly spread out. Because right now, some hostels for University of Colombo is like in Ratmalan or like very far away from the university. And it, it, it's not, it's not the best, you know. I feel like you can, you should make that work a bit better for those who are living like far away can make it university. And also, I feel like even if lecturers can get the facility of getting transportation at times, that can also solve the problem. But that's a lot of public funds. And right now, our budget is more equipped towards military as opposed to the education system, right? That I mean, we have to agree with that. Um, so I think it's just better budgeting to the higher education system and just taxations. It's just going to up a lot of things. Uh, because I feel like we can do it. it. It's just a matter of how you allocate funds and what you use it for, right? Yeah, precisely. I mean, the best... The best example I can give you is University of Colombo. Our faculty department of economics is what has one of the best, best lecturers ever, right? They go and give guest lectures like abroad into so many universities. But the reason as to why we keep getting marked down in a global platform is because we don't have enough funding for research, right? So these technicalities can be combated so easily provided that the government and the education ministry really budgets to the education system a bit better. And, you know, and instill certain values in the kids as well. Because right now, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm going to get the degree from this University of Colombo or whatever. But I'm actually thinking about migrating as well. I'm not saying migrating is a bad thing, but I feel like you should be able to give back as well. Yeah, especially when it's, a, you know, a welfare state where you're paying or studying out of public money. Yeah, I, I actually have something to ask, you know, like it's a multifaceted question. Uh, the first part of it begins with uh, the mindset or other culture that exists between these, you know, uh, university students in state universities. And that uh, what I mean by that is we all know uh, in the last 20 years, there have been quite a few attempts to bring in medical colleges and they were opposed because students felt, look, uh, we worked hard, we worked hard for our results and we got in and you can't just pay money and enter your way in, right? Um, so do you think, first part, I'll get to the second too, do you think uh, students from the circle you know would be opposed to the idea of universities established by the government or rather privatized, which allows or focuses on international students using it as a gateway similar to what Nottingham and whatnot does in Malaysia? That is the first part of the question and the second thing is if it does come do you really think it would disrupt or rather make life difficult for those who really work hard and enter in given the fact that you know look universities aren't going to take every Tom Dick and Harry everyone has to work relatively hard I mean look someone might have 
like you know, I'm talking about IGCSEs. I mean, A level. Someone might have four A stars, and the person next person might have three A stars and A, right? Just because he has an A instead of an A star doesn't mean he's a bad student. He or she's a bad student. They're impressive students. It's just they missed out in one little bit. So, what's your take on this? That's a really interesting question. So, I think the whole issue you're talking about is like the sight and visual, right? Um, so, with sight and visual, I think more than kids being completely opposed to the I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are other extremities as well. Uh, but from what I understood, at least from the people who told me about this, was that they were, they were opposed to the fact that there weren't sufficient standards in place to get these kids into the faculty, right? So the issue there is, for medicine in particular, because it, it has to do with someone's health, you need to have certain standards in place in terms of the grades by which you, the minimum requirement that you come into. So I think Saitam was unable to fulfill that. I mean, it was certainly a political issue. Yeah, it was certainly a political issue because we really are, because that's what they say. We really aren't at the end of the day. We can't pinpoint and say, look, that is the fundamental reason. We can't say there were outlays. I mean, if you think about it, right, we have students who come in from Georgia, who come in from uh, Ukraine or, or, or state universities in Russia. I mean, what makes us think a university from there has any better standard than a private university in Sri Lanka? I mean, I mean, look, see, if you know doctors across the world, you can confidently say that Sri Lankan doctors are some of the most sought after Southeast Asian doctors because of the rigorous uh, scales that we keep and, you know, just how much we cut on them. So what's your take on it? Continue. Sorry for... <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, I totally agree with that. So like, that's the thing. So there, there are a lot of double standard issues there as well, because even after CITAM, I think, promised to revise their whole system by which they get the students in. They were still unsatisfied with the site and they were like, no, we really don't want it to exist at all, right? So this mentality is there, not in the medical faculty alone, but throughout the state university system. That's how this whole ragging system comes into play at times as well. This whole elitist versus underprivileged crowd, right? That sort of a system is still there. And I think it's because of the fact that it, it kind of boils down to how people are perceived or like, perceived like state university systems at a very young age like I know for a fact that they're glorified to like such extent where if you don't go to state university they are looked down upon right that's the truth unfortunately I'm saying it's it's evolving out of that system because of more private universities and people having access to education abroad but state universities are kind of like the be all end all for a lot of families and I get from where they're coming from as well right because you you want your kid to uh, study at R at Royal and then have a a law degree from uh, University of Colombo, become a second, you know who. So it, 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 it's the thing. So I think for them, it's like one, like, you know, self-perception and the glory that's attached to it. And for those of the rural communities, for them, they don't have money. To, I mean, obviously, they don't have enough money to send them to like some UK university, right? I mean, to be honest, even I who come from middle class family, I don't think I want to ask my parents to spend so much of money either, right? It depends on how you value it. That's a different story. Um, so with that mentality, you're, you're, you kind of grow up to believe that anyone who doesn't get into university is not the best. And anyone else who tries to pursue education otherwise is also a failure. You know, that, that mentality is going to be there. Um, so the moment someone steps foot into that ego, you're compelled to look down on them and be like, you can't exist. You know, we are the it crowd. You know, we are the academic elitists of the country kind of thing. So that's kind of what happening. That's what happened more or less in the medical faculty incident as well. I feel like people should have been a bit more open-minded for sure because it's not like the end of 
everything because I because if if economics, law, and all of the social sciences can have private universities, I don't understand why medical medicine can't have the same thing, right? You know, if you have yeah, exactly. So I feel like there's a lot. I mean, it's a typical South Asian culture where you need to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. So like that's like the biggest thing in the world. That's like the shit, you know. Uh, so it's like if you can't. Yeah, I'm gonna have to bleep that. You know that, right? Ah, shit. <laughs> Anyways, so like my point stands. So like it's the it, it kind of is like the be all end all of your occupation. So it it boils down to perception. I didn't say like how you are taught to perceive state universities, how you're taught to perceive private institutions. So it's that mentality. So my thing is at the end of the day, private institutions are fine provided there is sufficient like standardizations. So yeah, that's about it. Thank you for that, Chiara. So uh, next question for you is: Do you think the whole um? that school system is fair do you think the way it's done makes more sense to the people who are in the rural country or do you think that people from the rural parts of sri lanka have an added advantage that you know they shouldn't have like what is your answer about the that school system to equalize things hmm so the basis of this school system is again it's to benefit those who are underprivileged sort of get a chance shot at like great universities in the within the country right um so on that premise i would say it does give a good opportunity for them uh because they're able to seek education facilities that's in their area not you know accessible but from a broader perspective i feel like it's still unfair because kids who do get good results for example let's say that they get 3 a's even they themselves sometimes can't get into university in, in colombo one of my closest friends she got 3 a's i got 2 a's and 1 b my grade score was higher i got into the university of colombo but she didn't right um so on that logic right i feel like it's unfair and the best way to combat it is have more universities have better facilities across the country than to dump hundreds of people into one university in central colombo or something like that you know so yeah that's my opinion on its ecosystem thank you uh i would say it's controversial but that's probably what how i feel about it do i actually think it's quite fair like what you said uh because we can't penalize students for you know really performing well just because they're not from a certain place and for p for us to also say that look somebody who has like 3 c's to enter into an engineering faculty while someone who has 3 a's and you know isn't as good who enters in who, who can't get into an engineering faculty like we can't say it's fair to the person who worked so hard right? and we also really can't say that a person who has 3 c's is somebody who worked to their fullest potential in their given you know uh from from what they've been given and i think it makes less sense now than ever before because hear me out right a lot of people and a lot of education centers are done online right and it's not like we're paying an arm and a leg uh, like we do for these private tuitions for like the international syllabus where we pay literally an arm and a leg but i think uh, for a levels where it's done through mass class it's relatively more affordable and i think that uh, education access is slightly better in that regard and its need or rather to the extent to which it is needed is it's it seems to be perishing you know i think of that in that way too uh chihara a question for you now uh that is on a more personal basis as somebody who worked uh while you were pursuing your first year of your degree um you worked at a researching institute uh and you also are part of multiple you know volunteering groups hype for one example 
uh, how are you able to manage all of that while having the degree? Because I think a lot of people strive to, you know, diversify their time in college to, you know, have a, a good outcome, you know, straight out. They are the, the most uh, gleaming intern applicant, right? A lot of people try to do that, but they fail because they're unable to manage things altogether. How were you able to, you know, keep that balance? Um, it's really hard for me to give a straightforward answer to that because one is... I have a very YOLO approach to life. It's just like I do. I only get to live once. So I'm going to make the most of it. Um, so, you know. So like my reason. I mean, I I'm not doing any of my like internships or whatever to gain some sort of university leverage here. Because to be honest, I'm not getting any either way. But I feel for me personally, I've always liked to do multiple things because I feel like my time management is much better that way. I did it in school. I've become very used to that system. So I do the same at university as well. Um, I know university is a very different place. It's not the same as school because school you could still manage, but university there will be a time where you will have to cut back on stuff. So I'm doing that progressively. Um, but until such time, I think the best my best advice for anyone who wants to balance it is first try it out. You never know what you can do until you do so, and do what you like um, as a side gig. Maybe at university sometimes you'll have to just suck it up and do certain things that you don't want to do. But on the side, do something like it can be a sport, it can be volunteering at some animal shelter, or it can just be working at another place. But just whatever you like to do, do and just diversify your portfolio and your skill set by doing so. Because my first internship is very different to what I ever thought I'd ever do, which is market research, and that is a lot to do with sociology, which like which is what what not which I'm not doing that university, but it still helps you to like do a lot of other things. So that's my go-to advice to anyone who is a bit reluctant or wants to do a lot of things while being at university. You know, so just go for it and just you never know what to do. But yeah, I have this final question to close it all off, and that is, um, why do you think it's important for you to stay in the country and prosper that way rather than to look towards going outside? Like, why do you think it's? I mean, obviously, personal reasons aside, maybe family or whatever, but. Do you feel a responsibility to this country, and if so, why? Um, I do actually. That that I I feel like it's an ultra important question. Um, in Sri Lanka, I feel a lot of us. Um, I feel like the Sri Lankan system is such that we don't have a entrepreneurship drive. It's very rare to find people who do, and we have this whole mindset that government has to give us, but we really don't feel obligated to give back. Right? Um, I was, <laughs> yeah. So I was brought up in a family. My father is, of course, like is very hell bent on me leaving the country. But my mum is has been very headstrong in driving um, this entire perception that you need to stay back, you need to give back. And for me, I have also kind of realized that I should because I'm I'm capable of doing so, and I like to think of myself as someone who can do something. And I want to give back. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be so hard to go about it because in a system that's so rigid and outdated. It's going to be a really tough task, but I don't mind even going abroad, getting some experience, coming back, and you know, sharing all of that human capital here because I feel like the country needs it. And if more people like me chooses to do that, I feel like Sri Lanka can go to so many places because there is so much potential, so much of work that's being done even right now in the private sector. Uh, public sector needs a, like a huge, you know, boost, but we still can do a lot of things. And if you choose to migrate, that's your call. That's an entire different story. But I feel like. If you if you think you're capable of doing something, if you have benefited a lot from the free education system Sri Lanka gave you, I feel like you should consider, you know, giving something back because there's always something that you can do, 
it doesn't mean that you get the opportunity outright for you you'll have to hunt for it or maybe create it by yourself but i feel like it's worth it it's very rewarding i mean i have seen what my parents have done and that has been very inspiring and i want to do the same thing and do better as well so thank you for that shiara uh, my take on this is that uh, you know revolutions aren't won by people who express their opinions just blatantly revolutions or other changes in a country changes would be a much better word isn't won over a single night it's won progressively and it's won through uh, determination effort we've got to do our best uh, to improve standards for ourselves uh, we, we can't really expect people to do that we can't blame it on a government and expect you know centralized systems to work for it we got to work for ourselves um so i do also believe in a system where you know people are given the opportunity to to work to their potential and to not feed off of tax money that's something i i hate i i you know genuinely i i don't i, I hate people who you know feed off of tax money in the sense that people who don't deserve it you know there are people who are maybe let's say um single mothers or widowed parents um or elderly members of society veterans of course they do deserve the care of uh you know the state because we have they have responsibility towards them but those who utilize the benefits that the state gives them and yet never returns anything because you know they're simply lazy uh, or they don't feel obligated to do it not necessarily because yeah yeah exactly you know a lot of uh, in inefficient government sectors where people don't find the necessity to work hard for it to to benefit it i mean like a simple fact is the sheer volume of loss versus profit the ioc made against cepetco i mean that should prove or tell something you know with much fewer number of uh, sheds uh, petrol sheds right and obviously a lot had to do with the uh, government you know the way in which the government operated over the the, the modus operandi over the last maybe uh, two years but it has a lot to do with it but at the end of the day we can't deny the fact that public and government officials had or uh, didn't have a part in, in improving its growth so i do stand with you on that regard and to those who are going abroad uh, you know if you do feel like that's where your uh, interest or career goal is no harm in that that's each person's option we do live in a country where everyone has the opportunity to go either here or there but i do believe it's important that just as many people going need to come back in in the sense that we need to have multi yeah yeah because you know we go as uh, overseas or rather we go as foreigners to different countries as expatriates and and live in in much dire situations and what i mean by that is much less privileges um, and you know less safeties and guarantees and and always the fear and panic of you know immigration right but i don't think this is something that foreigners who come to like have to face but what i mean to say is we also need to be a country or a system where you know at the end of the day sri lanka must be considered a place where oh look i want to migrate there i want to live a different kind of life i want to live with the nature i mean working on our benefits and, and move there you know i think that's where we should stand at the end of the day uh thank you shihara for being here very enlightening conversation as usual a lot of yeah somehow somehow all a banter over the last few years has has made some sense on camera today I know right and very concise compared to you know oh for the love of god yes <laughs> yes but here's the thing right so you guys don't know i have soshihara and i are having a call over like through our computers and we're recording it on our devices so so anytime one of us realizes okay i'm going way too much we just like stop so so we're doing we're doing that too cuz cuz we realize how how much we have a tendency to go over
Today is very controlled. <laughs> today, today is very controlled. And uh, thank you for staying with us for you know forty minutes. Uh, enjoy the few podcasts that we'll be having next. The solo podcast that we'll be coming up with next. And by we, I mean myself, reporter, editor, creator, marketing, all by myself. So I am we. And enjoy the new segment of shows that, or rather, uh, shorts that we have on YouTube, on IGTV, on uh, TikTok, which is what we call less than sixty. Something I'm trying out new, and yeah, enjoy everything that we have to give. And subscribe, uh, like, share. You know the whole the whole shebang. And see you guys soon.